Isaiah chapter number 6. Can't hear anything? Well, just wait. This Bible will start popping up. Isaiah chapter number 6. We are going to read these first eight verses here. And uh, I'll give you a quick recap of the message last Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then get right into really just the last point and uh, some final thoughts in that. Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train, what a blessing, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, and each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. If your eyes have seen the King, can you say amen tonight? Verse number 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask today that you would give us the words to say. I pray that you would give us, Lord, a mind, uh, Lord, to be able to uh, give your people what they stand in need of. Lord God, our hearts, our thoughts, our steps, guide my lips tonight. God, we pray that you would bless your people. Lord, we look around, we see some that are not here tonight, and we do pray that you would touch them and bring them back at the next appointed time. God, but for those that may be hearing this on a recording or those that are here tonight, Father, we pray that this evening you might touch their hearts. God, I pray that you'd take us to the throne room this evening and see what Isaiah saw. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are continuing the message, What We Need. Uh, if memory serves me right, we preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, didn't get too far Sunday night, but in this, uh, we told you that Uzziah had died. He was a good king. He was a godly king, but he made a mistake in trying to do some things there in the temple, and uh, he was uh, he was accosted by eighty priests. Eighty men of God stood up to the king and said, "No, sir, you're not allowed in this place." And uh, so he refrained from going in, but he still offered, if memory serves, he still tried to offer incense, and God immediately struck him with leprosy, and then sometime later he died. And so we pick up here in verse number 1, in that same year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And uh, we mentioned several things uh, about this, and we gave you several points. Number one, uh, we need to see what Isaiah saw. He saw God's position high and lifted up. He saw God's personality. Uh, these uh, seraphim, they begin to cry, holy, holy, holy. He says there in verse number 3, is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. Not only that, but he saw God's 
presence, his, uh, the house was filled with smoke and his train filled the temple. And then tonight we give you, matter of fact, I guess that was probably only one point that we gave you last week. Uh, but tonight we give you point number two. We need to see, <clears throat> we need to sense rather what Isaiah sensed. There in verse number five, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Now let's just stop our reading right there and say this about Isaiah, that he sensed his own condition. He sensed his own condition. And when he saw the Lord, he instantly realized that there were problems, not with everybody else, but within his own self. And it is vitally important today that as a Christian, we be very careful about looking in the lives of other people and basing our righteousness and our holiness upon other people. Because it really only matters how we stack up to God. Can somebody help me on this Sunday night? Uh, if you begin to mark your holiness by one of the brethren or by one of the preachers that you know, uh, chances are, you're. I know this sounds ridiculous, but you're either going to be better than them or, you're, or they're going to be better than you, okay? Uh, but if we mark ourselves on that ruler uh, that is God and is His holiness and in His righteousness, we will find that we will always fall short of the holiness of God. And Isaiah sensed his own condition here. Uh, I, I've been told, well, I'll stop doing that when the Lord convicts me of it. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, let's just see here. Uh, I, I hate to bust everybody's bubble, but there's some things that God has commanded that we do and that we don't do. And in a, a giant bubble, if you will, a broad spectrum, we find uh, what Peter wrote, Be ye holy, for God says, I am holy. And so there's different things in our society that are acceptable among religious people. I am not going to name those today. I'm sure your mind is reeling with different things but can I tell you today that if God deems it unholy, whether His Scripture ever nails it down as an individual act or thought, it is sin. Can I help? Can I tell you that tonight? Uh, but we need to live righteously in the sight of God. Uh, we, we, uh, and I mentioned this about the conviction. The word conviction is a declaration that a person is guilty of an offense. Uh, there are scriptures that declare our guilt in certain matters. We did a series some time ago about what is sin. And I can't remember exactly how many weeks it was, maybe 9 or 10 or 12 weeks. Uh, but we went through God's Word and we talked about individual things that God called a sin. But do you realize that in those uh, many different facets of God's Word, there are other things that He would consider a sin that we consider a conviction. If God convicts me, I'll stop this. If God convicts me, I'll start doing this. How about we just start living the Word of God? And I, I listen, I'm guilty of it as well, uh, but we need to start living the Word of God because here's what I found, Brother Kurt is that God may convict you of something and you stop doing that, but it feels comfortable to me, it feels relaxing to me, whatever it may be, and I continue to do that. So if we are all part of the body of Christ, why would He tell the hand not to do something and allow the foot to continue to do it? It does not make sense when we bring up that argument about 
uh, convictions. And so uh, that's just kind of free, kind of in the mix of notes that I had pinned down some time ago. Uh, but Isaiah sensed his own condition there in verse number 5. And I want us to know that as we move closer to God, we will see Him clearer. We will see Him as He is. And in seeing Him as He is, it also reveals our own wickedness or our own sin in our lives. A couple weeks ago, I was at the doctor's office or the, uh, the eye doctor, whatever they're called, optometrist maybe. Uh, and, and, and you've probably all been there. He puts you in this contraction. And he says, all right, do you see better with number one or number two? And in my mind, I'm thinking, is there really a difference? In my mind, I'm thinking, well, they look so close. Maybe they are the same. And I said, do it again. And uh, he'll do it again. I'm telling you, it looks so close to the same. And I'm thinking, this joker's playing mind games with me. But what he's trying to do is, is narrow down what I truly have a problem with my vision. And he'll dial that thing in, and I can see perfectly. And then he'll say, okay, now do you see better with number four or number five? Or number six or number five? And he's getting clearer and clearer every single time. And what we do is when we get in the Word of God and we get in the prayer closet, God is saying, do you see it a little clearer now? Do you see me a little clearer now? Can you see my face a little bit better now? But I'm going to tell you, every time you see God a little bit clearer, you'll see your own shortcomings a little bit clearer. And it is this that Isaiah sits here, and I want us to know, as he saw these things in his life, his answer was resounding in my own life. He said, woe is me. He did not say, woe is my neighbor, woe is my brother, woe is this, woe is that. He said, woe is me. I told you last Sunday morning, Sunday night, how that in the first five chapters, he gave six woes to the people. And he was talking about how bad they were. And he was talking about how wicked they were. And how they had run away from God. The king was trying to do right, but they were doing their own thing. And then all of a sudden, in chapter number six, he sees God on his throne. And he realizes there's no more woes to everybody else. The only thing that we see in these first five verses that Isaiah said was, Woe is me. What about that? We need to sense what Isaiah said. He sensed his own condition. Next, we see that he sensed his own cleansing. In verse number 6, we've, we've read this several times. One of those seraphims came. He got a live coal from off the altar. He put it upon the lips of Isaiah, and it cleansed him from his sin. Okay? That's, that's the idea here. And I want us to say this. I'm glad that God doesn't just point out our sins. He also provides a way for our cleansing. Could you imagine if, if we were standing before a holy God and he says, all right, big boy, you've done this, you've done this, you've done, about to run. If there were not an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, if there was not someone standing over there as our defense attorney and say, uh, excuse me, and I know we went into this just weeks ago, I guess, uh, but if it weren't for Jesus saying, uh, God, uh, I've already let you down on Calvary, you can just put that on my account, uh, don't charge and said, you are guilty of all of these things. How will you get it right? I'm glad before the foundations of the world, it was ordained that the Lamb of God, the Son of God, 
would be slain for you and I, for man, woman, boy, and girl. I'm glad this evening uh, that that was the way out. Here we see that this angel grabbed this coal off the altar of God and put it on the lips of this man of God here and cleansed him from his sin. And it is entirely different from us, but it is still uh, so much the same uh, because that, that blood that Jesus shed on Calvary was placed upon the mercy seat in glory. And that's, that blood is applied to our lives uh, as we're saved or as we sin. I'm glad we can say that it is under the blood tonight. He sensed his own cleansing. I read it this morning. 1 John chapter number 1, verse number 9. I'm just going to read this one verse. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad that in Isaiah, sensing his own cleansing, and God made a way for him to be able to understand uh, that he could profess woe upon himself. Uh, But there was a way of cleansing. Notice what he said. He says, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Well, what did the what did the angel do? It cleansed his lips. It cleansed him. And I'm glad that when we have something in our lives that needs to be cleansed, God has provided a way for that cleansing. If we ever see him as he is, we'll see ourselves as we are. One writer said, the closer you get to him, the worse you will look. But when that realization comes and we deal with it in repentance before the Lord, we will experience His cleansing and we'll, we will be able to stand in His presence and receive all that He has for us. How is that? We have to see our own need for cleansing. Number three, we need to say what Isaiah said. Here in verse number eight, I've reckoned it like this, almost as if he is eavesdropping on a conversation between the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's as if he's got his ear up to the door and he's hearing what they have to say. And their conversation says, Whom shall we send? And who will go for us? Now, I don't know. I don't. The Bible doesn't say that he was eavesdropping. The Bible doesn't say that it was an accident that he heard this. I believe the Bible. Amen. And so we have, that's my imagination saying those things. But regardless of what happened, we see that he was purged of his sins. His sins were cleansed. And then all of a sudden, he heard the voice of God. There's a lot of folks going around today and they're saying they've heard the voice of God, but their sins have not been cleansed. Can I tell you, honey, they got an upside down flip backwards. That ain't the way it works. God begins to give his word to those that have received forgiveness and cleansing. Amen. So we need to say what Isaiah said. He said, in essence, I am available. God said, the Lord said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. He said, I'm available. Here I am. God, this is me. This is what, if you need someone, here I am. He said, I'm available. As soon as Isaiah gets his heart clean, he hears the call of the Lord and he desires service. There's a lot of folks, and I'm trying not to hurt anybody's feelings, but there's a lot of folks that are saved, maybe in our midst, but they don't want service. They don't want to be a part of service. I'm not talking about the service. I'm talking about doing. 
I'm talking about coming early, staying late. I'm talking about doing different things for God. I'm talking about going out and telling someone. I'm talking about giving a track to someone that's completely out of your wheelhouse, out of your comfort zone. I'm talking about trying to make sure that this community hears about God, the one that saved us and, and that uh, reconciled us to himself. That's the service that we were just talking about uh, in Sunday school. Brother David mentioned those seeds. We need somebody to go out and plant some seeds. We need somebody to go out and serve the Lord and, and water those seeds and, and maybe uh, make sure that, that those seeds are growing in the right way. We need servants who are available. He said, I am available. Isaiah probably thought that all was well in his life until he saw the Lord in his glory and holiness. And when he did, he was made aware of his own shortcoming. Until we see God and are confronted with our own condition before him, we will remain haughty and proud. But when we come face to face with who he is and what we are, it will produce humility and confession. Isaiah, as I mentioned before, did not cry out. He did not cry out, woe is me. He did not get to that point where he began to, to ridicule everyone else. He now has been confessed. He's been cleansed. Now he is crying a different cry. Here am I. Send me. He said, I'm available. But then we also see that he said, I'm agreeable. Send me. God said, whom shall I send? Isaiah said, here am I. And who will go for us? He said, send me. The two questions that God asked, Isaiah answered both of those. He says, I am agreeable with what you want. I am ready to go. Isaiah not only told the Lord that he was ready, but he also mentioned that he was willing to go. There's a lot of folks that are standing on the precipice of action. They are ready. They, are, they, they say that they're ready to go. But when the time comes, they, they, they wait. I've given you this illustration before uh, that, that we, we sometimes we have a... Um, We're saying, okay, here am I. But we need people to say, send me. Send me. Now that scares me as a pastor of a church because, again, I have got a rampant imagination. And all I can see is God sending every one of y'all to Zimbabwe and Uganda and, and all kind. And here I am, me and Lord, right here by ourselves. And so if God calls y'all somewhere, y'all please let me know before y'all make your decision. We need people even right here. In Sumter County, we need people to go. We need people to say, send, send me. Make yourself available. 
I, I'll say this, and I tried last week not to say much about it, but we have heard we have heard for years about the Welsh revival. In 1904, there was a lady by the name of Flory Evans that stood up in Sunday school, and for the first time, she pronounced that she loves the Lord God with all her heart. And at that moment, another young man named Evan um, Evan Roberts stood up and began to preach. We just gave you a four-point outline just real quick. But in that, people began to repent. People began to confess their sins. and People began to truly have revival. <clears throat> in, our, in our nation, we've, we've heard the revival on popular news programs. We've heard revival. It's all over social media. And you have those that think it is revival. You have those that think it is not. And you have those that are not, not vocal about it but know what God's Word says. <clears throat> I can't speak to what happened in any of those people's hearts in that uh, the Asbury revival. I cannot speak to anything that's happened there. I cannot. But what I do know, what I do know is what some of those people have publicly posted. And I'm not getting to all of those things. But if it was a revival, it wasn't a scriptural revival. If it was a revival, it was not founded upon the Word of God. There was a young man that stood and he preached. He did not do a bad job. He did not do anything that I would consider other than the fact that he used a different version of the Bible. He, it was a very conversational tone. There's nothing wrong with that. But most everything that happened beyond that was about singing. And it was about worship. And it was, and we could go on and on. But if it's not founded in God and His holiness. If revival is not founded upon the Word of God, if revival does not come... You see, God chose the foolishness of preaching to reach the lost. I, I know I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings, but God did not call singers to go out and sing. God gave talents for people to sing. And I don't mind that sometimes folks go out and sing, but calling on on God's people is is in, behind, should be behind the pulpit and should be in the pews. What's sad about this this Asbury revival is that it was not that I can tell founded anywhere upon the scripture. There's no proof that it was. If there was, there there wouldn't have been number one, women preachers. Number two, there wouldn't be sodomites getting up there and preaching. And so that right there tells me this was not a moving of God. This was a moving. But I believe it was a moving towards something else. Now, y'all can agree or disagree. It does not matter to me. But what my heart desires is what Isaiah had. I want to see God. I don't want to see me lifted up. I want to see God lifted up high and holy. I want, to, I want to see the effects of seeing God. What is that? Well, yes, there was worship. Those angels were worshiping, but there was a convicting power of God. Woe is me. 
And then there was a cleansing. And there was a going. Here am I. Send me. So what we need, that's the title of the message, what we need is we need to see what Isaiah saw. We need to sense what Isaiah sensed. And we need to say what Isaiah said. The Holy Spirit. It's easy to get caught up on that bandwagon of looking at everybody else's wrongdoing. But man, if we could put a spiritual mirror in front of our face and see how we look in God's eyes. That's the way we need to be tonight so we can get those things right and so we can begin to do what God has asked us to do. Let's stand tonight.